How a change of heart about his career led one man to change the world through an integration of business and a life calling with Carrie Green from CarrieGreen.com on episode number 181 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. During that three months, I'm looking for any kind of job I can find. I'm looking for any kind of uh, temporary living situation that we can find because I had resumes out to other churches and I had made those decisions to pursue ministry again in a different setting, but had not gone very far down the process, you know, and that, that process can take quite a long time in ministry. This is Kelly Calabrese, and I help women become intentionally fabulous. My mission is to help women going through any stages of separation and divorce to go from fearful to fearlessly pursuing what sets their soul on fire. Here on Dr. Brad Miller's podcast, the Beyond Adversity podcast, his mission is to help you to crush adversity and discover your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful, and this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to Beyond Adversity. With Dr. Brad Miller, it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with me today as we like to speak into your ears about things that matter. We have over 180 episodes of our podcast, which will help you to grow through what you go through overcoming adversities like depression, divorce, disease, debt, and death, and to arrive at a place of peace prosperity, and purpose, you can always go over to the drbradmiller.com where we have all those episodes available for you and a free gift to help you out. Here's my question for you today. This whole thing about the great resignation, have you felt it? Have you participated in it? Have you understood what is happening in this world, what the great resignation is about, even if you have not chosen to make a change in your career at all? It's a thought that many people have had. It's all about people leaving their jobs and their positions to pursue something more meaningful in life. And I'm one of these people who thinks there's basically an epidemic of meaninglessness, and people are seeking meaningfulness. Our guest today is named Carrie Green, and he had this type of experience from a career which you may find surprising that he left in order to pursue a different track in his life. For many years, over 20 years, Kerry Green was a pastor of many local churches and had some great success as a pastor. But along the line, he began to feel what we, and sometimes in the Christian world, I'm a pastor myself, call a leading or a calling. And he began to feel like his role was ending as a pastor. But what was he, what was he going to do? What was going to be next for him? Because he didn't have a, you know, he was found himself without a job, without a church, and needed a source of income. And moreover, he really was seeking a sense of meaningfulness in his life. Perhaps you can relate. 
So today, we're going to feel this struggle that he had with just trying to get some odd jobs to make some ends meet and to help his family and uh, get through some really tough times emotionally, fiscally, uh, family-wise, all kinds of things they had to endure. Then we're going to learn the processes that he be, that he became engaged in in order to connect up to different things that were meaningful to him, including the area of podcasting, where he created a podcast editing service and then developed a business and Christian-based life coaching program. It's a process that he calls Live, Build, and Change. You're going to learn about that here today in our great conversation that we had with Kerry Green. He blogs at kerrygreen.com. That's C-A-R-E-Y-G-R-E-E-N.com. I'm going to know you're going to enjoy this conversation. If you thought at all about a transition in your life from whatever you're doing to something else more meaningful, this is going to be helpful to you. Listen carefully. Let's get into our conversation with Kerry Green right now. We're glad to welcome to Beyond Adversity, Kerry Green. Kerry, welcome. Hey, Brad. Thanks so much for having me on. This is really a pleasure. It's a pleasure for me as well, my friend. And uh, you and I do have some similar uh, backgrounds. Uh, I am a retired uh, pastor. Still have my hand in ministry. And I also have my hand in the business world of, of podcasting and uh, and publications and things of this nature. And you have a similar story of being in ministry and then transitioning to the business world, particularly in podcasting. And But that, that, that meant there's a story there. There's a story of why that happened. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like for you to share a little bit about your story, about some of the things you faced or some of the challenge you may have faced that led to this transition in your life from the life of uh, full-time Christian ministry into what you're involved with now. Tell us your story a little bit, Carrie. Yeah, well, I was happily serving in ministry for almost 20 years. We had had four different churches that we served during that time, uh, from associate pastor all the way into teaching pastor roles. And overall, generally speaking, I think you'd say it was a good experience. We had our our challenges and our ups and downs for certain. Um, there were a couple of times where I was in church planting contexts and experienced, you know, a lot of pain and disappointment and discouragement in those settings because it's a very hard thing to do planting a church, and it's not always one that uh, goes like you plan. And uh, one of those scenarios in particular, I've I've often said that I kind of oversaw the death of a church because yeah. it was a church that already existed, and my wife and I were called in to kind of salvage things after the the pastor's marriage had some issues and he was removed from the position. And so when we stepped in, there was a, a decent group there, but uh, as things progressed, it, it became very evident. There was more damage under the surface than anyone knew. And uh, my style of ministry didn't necessarily jive with the style of ministry the church was used to. And so just little by little decreased in, uh, in attendance and in membership and it it came a time where I just felt like these these folks needed a different leader than I than me, and so resigned, encouraging them to continue uh, seeking out someone that's better suited for the the needs that they had, and it just didn't it just didn't pan out, and the church decided to close uh, probably a month month and a half later, and so you know after you come through a situation like that, you you ask all the questions of you know, is there something wrong with me? Did I not have what it took? Uh, was I a failure? You know, all of those sorts of things. But 
in my case, uh, my wife, along with my faith in God, were instrumental in helping me to kind of reorient and and examine what really happened and and did I, with integrity of heart, do my work the best that I could and and serve the people, you know, in a in a genuine and honest way. And I had to say that I did, you know, for me, a lot of getting through adversity and difficulty is, is mindset. It's all about how you frame the situation and the stories that you tell yourself about it. Um, and when the stories that you tell yourself are, are untrue, then your response to the adversity tends to be uh, skewed and negative. You know, none of us can act according to something that's not true in and come out in a place of reality, we wind up living a false kind of a life. And so uh, I had to, you know, with my wife's help and the help of others, think through what happened and come to a place of realizing, you know, I did the best I could in God's strength and in the strength that he provides. And, um, you know, we, we, we just walked the path that he gave us to walk. And so that's just one example of the kinds of adversity that you experience in pastoral ministry. And then you asked specifically about the transition. Yeah. Uh, well, just to just to touch there for a second before we move on to the, to the transition is that there's a sense of sensitivity about the investment that uh, pastors make and clergy make and their uh, families into what they're involved with, which is notable. Uh, I uh, have mentioned I'm a retired pastor, but I spent a significant part of my time as a church planter, and it included the demise of a church plant. And I just still am reminded about how incredibly painful that uh, time was in some ways still is lingers with you, but how you uh, see it does make all the difference. But where I just want to relate to the, the folks who are listening here on our podcast, that whatever you go through it, uh, it can define you or you can define it. And that's part of what we're talking about here is the actions that, that you take. And so let's go on with your story. Now, my, my friend about, you know, what happened to you? What kind of transitions happened to you? What particularly, what actions did you take? You said you left the church. What actions did you take for next steps then? Yeah, well, next steps, we had to kind of make decisions about where we were going to live because obviously we were living in a certain city to serve that certain church. And it wasn't a city my wife or I either had lived in before. So there's no family there. There's no support structure other than the remaining friends we had from the church. And so we had to make decisions about what are we going to do for living arrangements and how are we going to earn income and, you know, all those kinds of things that are very practically oriented. And so we temporarily moved back to Colorado and which is where we were from originally. It's where we got married and had lived for many years. And so we went back there, lived in my in-laws basement of 800 square foot with, um, with our five kids, uh, just all <laughs> crammed in the little basement and a dog and a cat, you know? So the visual imagery, the visual imagery right now alone is a little scary to me, but uh, yeah, but yeah. please go on. Especially from, yeah, I'm not was, sure where you came from, but quarters. it had to be different. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cozy for sure. We pulled in there in the middle of, in the middle of de- December with uh, snow on the ground and all of our belongings uh, in a, in a trailer or a truck, I can't remember, and loaded them all into my father-in-law's garage and stayed there for three months. Uh, during that three months, I'm looking for any kind of job I can find. I'm looking for any kind of uh, temporary living situation that we can find because I had resumes out to other churches and I had made those decisions to pursue ministry again in a different setting, but had not gone very far down the process, you know, and that, that process can take quite a long time in ministry. 
Sure. And so I uh, found a job uh, working for a cable company, going into people's backyards and disconnecting cable, you know, when, when they didn't pay their bills and those kinds of things. Not the most glamorous or, or uh, you know, career ambitious goal, but it, it sure. put some food on the table. Do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely do. And then three months after we had been there, we moved into a temporary position. The Lord provided uh, a townhome for us to live in, but it was not your dream home either. It was a, a townhome a guy had been renovating to sell. And I don't remember exactly how I connected with him, but I, I was looking for a month to month lease because we were expecting we would move whenever the opportunity came up. And he was willing to rent it to us month to month, but it wasn't finished. And so we moved into a townhome that felt like it was under construction and because it was and uh, lived lived there for a short period of time. And uh, it, it, we, we refer to those two, three month periods as the six months. It was one of the hardest times for our family. Uh, it, it was uh, a dark spot, but at the same time, a bright spot because my middle daughter was just this beacon of faith. She was just so optimistic and so encouraging to all of us and, and very, uh, very much so a, a, an uncommon thing for a girl her age. I think she was 12 at the time or something like that. So what a I mean, gift, just a, what a, a gift. A, yeah, it was a great gift. And so shortly after that is when we were offered another position at a church in Colorado. So we made another move and uh, began pastoring again in a, in a small church up in the mountains and so, uh, you know, you're asking about actions. I think what I've learned both in life and from the scripture is if you're trusting the Lord, if you're trusting God really has your best interest in mind and he really is guiding you in a path, it's not random and it's not happenstance. Then even in those difficult times, like the six months that we, uh, we kind of laugh about now, he has that firmly in his hand and he's taking you somewhere that is going to serve his purposes, which ultimately is the best thing for you. And so uh, it wasn't always easy to see during that six months, Sure, but it's something that we've learned through it. Sound like a classic wilderness type experience that so many people have when they go through profound change. They have a time in the wilderness where they just kind of just, you know, just kind of struggling a little bit, but you get through yeah, it. Just you wandering. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you went back into ministry in another church and uh, how'd that go? And then how did you end up transitioning out of that one? Yeah. Well, that particular church we were at for six years, it was a church that had been without a pastor for two years by the time we got there. And so there was a very small group of people there. There was a very uh, sordid history of various pains and hurts that they had experienced throughout those two years and even before and so we felt that one thing we'd learned from our previous position where there was more damage than anybody knew was that we should come into the situation and and rally everyone who remains together and kind of process what had happened over the last six years or the last two years, rather, even though we hadn't been there, we were in the position of leadership to, to instigate that conversation. And so we had a, a, a family meeting of the entire church. We laid out the scenario the best as we knew it to be and asked people to to share what the hurts were that they had experienced and how they had um, overcome the situations, very much like what you and I are doing now. And in that meeting, so much healing happened because people heard their friend across the room sharing their deepest hurt about the situation and the things they thought were being done and said that they had never heard before. 
And many times that person was believing a story that wasn't true. And so someone in the room was able to correct it. And someone in the room was able to affirm them instead of uh, allowing them to continue feeling trapped in this negativity that they felt. And there was so much healing that happened there. And we learned a, a great lesson there that there's no difficulty and no hardship that you've been through that's so terrible, it shouldn't be talked through. And it shouldn't be processed with the help of people who love you. And it can be done. You don't always need a therapist. You don't always need a counselor. You need caring, loving people who will walk with you and help you see the truth of the situation. And that that really was a beneficial thing in that yeah. situation. But you do need the leadership in order to initiate and instigate the action to help that happen. Yeah. People often do not do that of their own accord. And you as a pastor or other leaders had to step up and say, okay, we got to do this to have any future here together. Yeah, and then, exactly. And then, we knew there was nowhere good that we could go if we didn't deal with that. Mm -hmm. and, and so we had, a, we had a great five or six years there just uh, ministering uh, alongside people, loving people, spending time teaching the word of God. Uh, just had a lot of great things happen while we were there. And it was during that season that my wife first and then me secondarily uh, began feeling that there was just a, a, a removal of the calling to be in ministry. And for someone who's not in ministry, that may sound like an odd thing to say um, or an odd way to describe it, but it, it was just this lack of zeal for the very heart of the job. We, we didn't feel called to stand alongside a group of people any longer and help them navigate things like I just described. It just, yeah. it just was like the desire and the passion to do that had gone. Well, you know, a lot and of people so, have that feeling in whatever their career is, but they gut it out anyhow. They stick it out yeah. anyhow. And why did you, you know, so many people have done that. And whatever career path, but it's certainly a ministry. You and I have seen that happen, where some people have, <laughs> you know, continued to serve well past their usefulness. What did? Why did this? Why did you not? Uh, maybe you even thought about that, but why did you not do that? And what then was the impetus to move on to something else? Yeah, that's a great uh, a great perspective to dig into because I am the kind of person, and I was raised to be the kind of person that you don't quit. You just keep plugging away. You can get through anything, all of that. But I've, I've, I've had to come to see that there is a wisdom in assessing the situation and seeing the reality of whether you still fit the need of the situation when you're in a position of leadership. And my wife and I spent a long time pondering that. We called in a leader from the denomination that we were serving to help us kind of assess and he, first of all, asked us a little bit more about our past and realized that within almost 20 years, we had never really taken a break other than that time when I was working for six months outside ministry. And so he suggested that we take a sabbatical. And so we did. We took a four-month sabbatical. The church was very generous to provide that for us. And the assumption was after the four months, we would come back energized and kind of refocused and ready to go at it again. And it was within six months of coming back, it, just that same depletion and that same loss was there. And we had no other conclusion to make, except that this just isn't a fit anymore. And it was hard for me to relinquish that, sure. that drive to keep going, but we did. And we, out of integrity, just felt like the church deserves someone who has their heart in it, not someone who's just doing it for the paycheck. That's not what ministry is about. Right. And so we announced our resignation, but we, we gave a three to six month time frame to allow 
time to put structures in place and people in place and all the things in place that would enable the church to move on healthily uh, once we left. And so I think it was right about the six month mark on that time frame that we we departed. And again, I knew nothing about where what I was going to do. Didn't know how to feed the family. Didn't know where we would live. At the time, we lived in a, a a neighboring town to where the church was, and really loved where we lived and loved our house and, and didn't really want to move. And so, uh, you know, I made the decision to start looking for any job, anything that could support the family. And and in a small mountain town, when you're a family of seven people, there's not a lot there that supports the kind of lifestyle that you're used to. And so, it was a hard 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 choice. Reality came into play, didn't it, at that point? Yeah, it really did. Yeah. So what did you do? Yeah, you had to do something. What did you do? Yeah. Yeah, well, I I had talked with a friend who was in the real estate industry, and he was suggesting to me that the area needed some mortgage loan originators, uh, mortgage brokers, so to speak, who could serve the area, that there, there just wasn't enough. And so I thought that was a good idea. It would be a way I could provide for the family significantly. And so... I did some schooling and got some training and certified, got certification to be a loan officer and actually got a job with a, a Colorado company that would allow me to stay in our mountain town and serve that area and began writing mortgage loans for people. Um, did that for about a year and, and it just wasn't a good fit. I'm not a sales oriented person and you really do have to be a sales oriented person for that role because you have to drum up your own leads and, and walk people through the sales process and all of that. and. And so I, I probably closed five loans in that one year, which isn't very many for, for a full-time living. And uh, at the same time was doing odd jobs, doing anything I could to put food on the table. And and then at that point is when I had begun doing a little bit of audio editing work on the side for people and was, was getting paid for that a little bit. And a, a friend of mine who's a believer in Christ as well, who I was working with on a video call, uh, said, you should make a business out of this. There's so many people that need this service and, and you really don't want to learn it themselves. And so it was like a great big light bulb that went off. And I started moving in that direction. And within a few months, I had five clients. Within a few months, I had 10. Within another you know, few months after that, we had 15 or 20. And it, it just grew really quickly. And it was mainly by word of mouth, mainly by just a real soft email sent to people who I knew probably had the need, just asking if they would like to chat. And and before long, we had a business that was supporting us. Well, that's awesome. And that's where you're at right now with podcasting uh, Fast Track. And you have other things you're involved with as well with coaching and some other things. And we're going to get in a minute about your process, your live, build, change process. But let's just clarify for a minute some of the actions that you that you took. You listened to your heart and to your wife and to others. And then you also had just conversations with those folks and with your church folks. And then you kind of did what you had to do, you know, took the odd jobs, mortgage and other things you did. You took some action and then you found your aha moment, so to speak, to go towards some areas. So I'm just clarifying some of the actions that you took. And it's so important. I think if you want to have fulfillment in your life, that you begin to move. You got to physically yeah. move. In other words, you got to take action. You got to physically move in order for uh, God to engage or for anything else to to engage in your life. We cannot stay stuck or numb as many people have done and uh, to expect anything really to happen. 
So that's the action yeah. piece there. And but I'm interested also in, you know, your man of faith and you continue to do various forms of mission and ministry in your life. But tell us about some of the inner uh, spiritual transformations that took place in this process as well, uh, Carrie. You know, it's not only about the taking action, it's about the inner life and the spiritual life or uh, other practices that you made, meditation, journaling, perhaps. But uh, tell us about the, that transformation that took place there, especially in the sense of uh, you, you and I talked shop for just a second here, calling, which is a particular thing in ministry, but really everybody has a calling of some sort. But let's talk about the inner life. Yeah. Well, during that whole season, obviously your, your faith in God is tested yes. because you find bills on the table that you can't pay and you find situations your kids are into at school where fees are needed for some activity and you, you don't know where the money's going to come from. So, uh, you know, the hard realities of life, uh, of the responsibilities that we've taken on have got to be addressed. And from a spiritual standpoint, we, you know, we, we believe as Christians, God is our provider. He calls himself Yahweh Jireh is a Jewish word that means provider. And so that's a promise he's made to us. And so in those moments, we could sit on our hands and say, well, God's my provider. He's going to, He's going to give me what I need. And while that's a true statement, the reality is he most of the time provides through us believing he's going to provide and then acting as if he will provide. And that means going and knocking on doors, finding odd jobs, doing those sorts of things. And, And he really strengthened my faith in those ways, showing me that faith without action is not really faith at all because you're not you're not believing in him enough to actually act like he's going to do something about it. And so it's a hard uh, change of perspective to have sometimes, but, but the kind of faith I think is biblical faith is not a wishing kind of faith. Like, Oh, I I have faith that God's going to do X, Y, and Z, but then you just sit and wait. Biblical faith is active and biblical faith uh, moves in, in response to what God has committed himself to do. And so that's the transformation. I think some folks think of God as some sort of a cosmic vending machine or something like this. You yeah. just kind of just say, yeah. okay, a plug in X, Y, Z prayer or need, boom, here it is. And that's just not the way it is. God is much more, yeah. much more uh, concerned about our development as people and as men and women of faith, families of faith, than about our comfort. And sometimes yeah. it's like we get out of our, our comfort zone to, to do. Yeah. And, and I would, I would add to that as well, Brad. Um, God is also concerned about his own glory, mm-hmm. meaning who he is matters. Yes. And who we are matters. And for us to treat him like a vending machine is very disrespectful to oh, him. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not connected to him in relationship. It's not valuing who he is and can be in our lives. It's just treating him as a servant rather than who he is, the king of the universe. And so that aspect really came into focus for us during that yeah. time as well. I think it also degrades the the power of grace. You know, grace is about uh, love that it's not deserved. And somehow when we kind of put an expectation on it that, uh, you know, that this is, it kind of takes grace and turns it on its head. I, I don't care for, for that understanding of things. And so yeah. you've had this transition go on now and you've had the inner life and you've had taking action and, and you now have uh, this opportunity to serve others and you're 
have a business, and now you've kind of shifted your whole life, haven't you, really, from ministry, which is basically a nonprofit orientation, essentially, you know, to now you are having a profitable business and other things that you're involved with. So tell us about uh, how you are still continue to serve others now and what you do now, how you live out a new form of ministry, if you will, in the business world, uh, how you uh, love others, you know, in this process, and which I think that we, we can do in the business context. Just tell us a little bit about that process for you in your, your live, build, change process, for instance, that you're involved with. Yeah. Well, what you're referring to is a is a little movement that I started a few years back called Live, Build, Change. And the concept behind it is that as believers in Christ, uh, we need to learn how to live authentically as believers in Christ, not just with a said faith, but with an active faith that really is is moving us in a direction where we can then build something that will not only generate income for ourselves, but also generate funds that we can use to then change the world around us. And it's built on a belief that that real faith is active and that real faithful people are generous and are giving toward the, the needs of others. And so that's what the liberal change concept is about. And so through that, I've done some coaching with folks. I've, I've done some podcast episodes about the whole Christian approach to business and, and it's really influenced a lot the way that I run my business as well. You know, you hear a lot of companies that have values, you know, their company values and their value statement and that sort of thing. And I don't know the actual statistics, but it appears to me that maybe 20% of them actually make decisions based on their values. Mm -hmm. the, the others, it's just something they put on their website to look good and to, to try and win people over to become customers. But what I found in my business is if you're not making your decisions according to your values, and if those values are not, are not uh, legitimate, uh, positive values, then you're really not serving anyone at all. You're just in it for the money. And I think as a Christian, especially, that's not how we should run our business. Um, our business, the values that we have, we believe people are more important than things. And so those things could be deadlines, financial obligations, uh, you know, the income and profitability of the business, all of those things. So we made decisions that from a business standpoint, a lot of business coaches would tell you that's not a very smart decision. But it was a decision based on a higher value that this person needs more this this month, even though they're not doing the work for it that would warrant it just because they're in need. And we as a business can help and can can be a blessing to them. And I believe that's why God's given me a business mm -hmm. is to be able to not only provide for my needs, but to care for others in the in the process. And so. You know, that's how we run Podcast Fast Track is is trying to put the team first, then the client, and we and we try and serve both equally well. Um, and in my experience, Brad, is when you treat your team like gold, they repay you and they repay the clients in gold. They they just they work harder. They do a better job because they, they're appreciated and they're cared for. Well, this goes back to relationships, you know, about how yeah. transformation is also not only it's a action thing, it's not only a thinking thing. It's an emotional thing, you know, yeah. uh, personal and uh, business transformation means that we develop loving, caring, genuine relationships based on values within the body, where, whether it be a local church, for instance. You you described some uh, local church bodies which had destructive relationships, whatever they were. I think I know because I've seen them myself in local yeah. church settings. I've done my share of 
dealing with that kind of thing and church consulting as well. But you also see in the business context and it builds about building trust and care and then also translates to your customers. And so tell me, just go a little further, just a little bit for a minute here, Carrie, about that, about the the power of loving, caring, genuine relationships to build life transformation for you and for your customers and therefore help build a better life for yourself and for others. Yeah, well, there's there's a a famous saying by Zig Ziglar that you can get everything in life you want if you help other people get what they want. Right. And there's a truth to that. I think it often comes across as very self-serving, though, rather than genuinely serving. I, I know Zig didn't mean it that way, but that's often how it's used in the sure. context in which it's quoted. My belief is I have to put the ideas of profitability and and benefit to myself and the company aside Whenever I'm trying to serve a person, I've got to see the person as more important than that thing of profitability. And when I'm able to serve genuinely like that, then what Zig said really is true. It does come about that the service I provide somehow in God's economy comes around to be a blessing to us. And Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And Sometimes that is a practical blessing that comes back to you. Other times, it's just the nourishment of your own soul, knowing that you're growing in Christ-likeness and you're becoming a blessing to others in greater ways as you live. And so with my team, one of our policies is every interaction a client has with us, whether it's email, a phone call, a video call, whatever it is, we want it to be sweet. We want it to be loving. We want them to remember how they felt interacting with us in a positive way, not in a negative way, because it's those sorts of interactions and those sorts of interchanges that build customer loyalty and build a positive relationship where we can actually serve them better. And, and it's, it's just this interesting cycle that actually works because that's the way God made the universe to work. Yeah. I think uh, it may be appropriate to interject even a um, kind of a churchy term here for just a minute. That's stewardship about being a good steward of the resources that we have, which is not just money. It is our time, our effort, our attitude, our ideas, the whole bit. And if you are good stewards of that and what's been given to you and what you give then to others, uh, just kind of this uh, sense of God's uh, God's uh, economy is that it'll come back to you. It'll come back yeah. to you and it'll, you'll be a resource rather than obsessing, you know, uh, a tithing mentality or a stewardship mentality as you give your first fruits away, then you were you're using your resource. Whereas the hoarding mentality is one where you, if you have a leftover, then you give it away. So yeah. what I'm hearing you say is that this relationships are key to that. And that, that, that is awesome. Yeah. So, and I think also that giving is, has got to expand if you're going to be a New Testament type of Christian, because it's not about 10% anymore. It's not about oh, first yeah. fruits. It's about your whole life. Your yeah. whole life is That's a service right. and your whole interaction with people is a ministry. Yeah. And so you give, 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 expecting nothing in return. Right. And yet, because you are God, God gives you what you need. Yeah, the covenant is the totality of who we are. And yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome thing. Well, tell us a little bit about, let's talk about uh, testimonials for just a second. What I mean by that is um, you now have a business and you have other things that you're involved with. 
that are outside the context of a church, and a church kind of is designed to be life transformative type of place, although sometimes it's tough there. But tell us yeah. about something you're involved with now uh, in your uh, either in your business or your ministry, where you've seen something you've you've done impact somebody else, and you've seen some change take place. You know, maybe you're doing yeah. business different than some other uh, uh, podcasting editor companies or whatever it would be. But tell us about a, a story about you've seen someone you've had some connection with have some sort of a transformation. Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity to share that. My my wife and I both are involved in a ministry that's based around the podcast that we began. It's called the Morning Mindset Daily Christian Devotional. And it's a daily six-minute sort of, I often call it a shot to the soul. It's it's to get our minds aligned with God's truth so that we can live that day in alignment with reality as God sees it. And so it's it's meant to be an encouragement and an inspiration to people every morning of the week. Now, what's happened from that is not only has the listenership grown to numbers I couldn't even imagine when we first started it, but we also got this, this vision during the, the midst of, of producing those episodes for a greater outreach that we could have. Um, one of the things we added to the mix along the way was a Friday episode that is a, I call it pray together. And it's where people have submitted prayer requests to us throughout the week using a form. We take those prayer requests and we kind of decipher through them. What's the real request here? Because, you know, people from all over the world are sending things. So sometimes English is not their first language. It takes us a while to figure out what they're saying. And then once we have them all all kind of packaged, ready to use for the prayer episode. I actually pray for them on an episode, just in a live conversation, kind of like this between me and God and others listen, they pray along, they become a part of the process of blessing that person through prayer. And so one of the things that came out of that is at first, my wife was the one processing all the prayers when they came in and she kept seeing these financial needs that were coming up from people in the Philippines, people in America, people in Canada, people in South America, just financial needs all over the over the world. And of course, we know that we all have financial needs at times. But she got this vision in her mind of surely there's somebody in just, for example, the Ukraine who has extra money and can help this person in the Philippines. How can we facilitate that? How can we connect those dots? And so what we wound up doing is creating a, a nonprofit in the end called Not a Needy Person. And that name comes from Acts chapter four, where the brand new church was all gathering together. And it says that each one was sharing out of his own possessions, in fact, selling his own possessions, giving the money to the leaders of the church, the apostles, and they were distributing to others as they had need. And it said, not a needy person was among them. And so we've borrowed that phrase to kind of describe and symbolize what it is we're doing. We're, we're receiving needs from people that can fill out an application and tell us their needs. And then my wife and a team of others vets those needs and talks with them on a video call and legitimizes that there's really a need here and it's not a scam. And then once we vetted them, we place them on the website as opportunities for people to give in each need has its own give button. So the need, the, the funds are, are siphoned right to the place they should be. And then we're able to help with medical bills and with uh, adoption process and with legal fees and all kinds of different things. And Brad, I'm telling you, it, we did not realize how quickly it would take off and how much of a blessing it would be to be the conduit through which God meets somebody's financial need. And we've heard so many people say, 
I can't believe this. And through tears, they're saying, how do people who don't even know me care enough to give money to help me? You know, those kinds of things that are a testimony of God's generosity through his people to his people. It's been just such a blessing. I, I got to tell you, Carrie, when I got on your uh, website just to do a little research before we got on our conversation today, that blew me away. I saw that hmm. part of your website and just knocked my socks off. I thought this is an awesome idea. And I was hoping that you would share about that here today because it just shows what, uh, what God can do when people use their ideas, the resources and the gifts they've been given. Maybe it's out of the context of what they've thought of been. It'd been hard to do, uh, maybe or maybe not, been hard to do that in a local church setting, perhaps. Maybe it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, but in my in my understanding, it'd be hard to do. But given your own business that you're involved with right now, it's happening. You know, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's a God thing. So I appreciate the, that so much. And you've got a lot to offer here. And maybe we can have so maybe we'll have another podcast episode just to talk about this type of thing because I just think there's a whole world out there of this yeah. kind of crowdsourcing, crowdfunding sort of a thing that can really speak to a huge need out there and the prayer thing as well. You know, that, uh, oh my gosh, it's just, just out there. So, yeah. but uh, appreciate it. Well, if, hopefully if folks do want to be in connection to you, uh, Carrie, to learn about you and who you are and your your business and your ministry, and you have a podcasting uh, editing service, how can people be, get connected uh, get connected to you? Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity to, to share that. The best way, I think, would be just to go to my personal website. It's carriegreen.com. And my name's spelled a little differently. It's C-A-R-E-Y, green, just like the color, dot com. And that's where you'll find the Morning Mindset podcast. There's a link there for Not a Needy Person. You can see there as well. And then on the About page, that should link to everything else that I'm doing. You know, my podcast business, all those things. You should be able to get there from there. Well, thank you for being with us here today. His name is Kerry Green, kerrygreen.com, as he mentioned. And he is all about helping people to enhance their life, to build up their life and their business and other things, and to have life change. And you heard how it's being impacted, not only in his own personal life, and how that is spread to people literally around the world. So we thank you for being our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Our guest today has been Harry Green. Thank you so much. You know, I really do uh, resonate and relate to the stories that Carrie was talking about. I'm a retired pastor myself, but I certainly had many times over my ministry. I was a pastor for 40 years, and I can think of at least a half a dozen times when I was very close to resigning for various reasons, mostly disappointment and disillusionment. But it stuck with it sometimes because of the paycheck. Have you ever done anything just because of the paycheck? Stuck with something regardless? Now, in my case, I was able to work through some things and was able to complete a career and retire uh, and go on to do something else, which I'm doing now, podcasting and writing and so on. For Kerry, he made that transition in the last few years and was able to get involved with the podcasting world as a podcasting editor and also through his process of live, build, change, where he integrates the process of having life building uh, aspects of his life and his Christian based life and business coaching, along with building a, you know, a business as well. And I commend uh, his work to you. 
So here's my takeaway for you here today. One of the things that Kerry talks about, he says that at my funeral, I'd hate for anyone to say he had such potential. That's the thought from Kerry Green I want to leave you with here today. Live at your potential, and sometimes it may mean making some really difficult decisions. you got to figure that one out. That is an adversity we all have to deal with, how to find meaningfulness in our life. But let's not get to the end of our lives and think that we have wasted our life away. Let's not be in that position where someone says, oh, man, he or she had such great potential. I commend Kerry Green to you. Also, he has a great podcast called The Morning Mindset Podcast, which is a daily good word that I commend to you as well. If you want other good words in your life, you can go to drbradmiller.com, where we have over 180 episodes of the Beyond Adversity podcast for you to check out. They're all about having leaders and teachers like Carrie speak into your life and to help you to grow through what you go through. And then just, just recently, I also started a new podcast called The Voice of God Daily, which is a scripture reading, a devotional item. If you'd like to check that out, you can go to Voice of God Daily. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. It is my pleasure and a privilege to be with you here today. Continue to grow through what you go through in your life. And remember to always do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.